Chapter 9 of The Epistle of St. Paul to the Romans by Handley Mole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The One Way of Divine Acceptance, Romans 3, 21-31. So then, there is silence upon earth, that man may hear the still small voice, the sound of silence, 1 Kings 19, 12, from the heavens. The law has spoken with its heart-shaking thunder. It has driven in upon the soul of man from many sides, that one fact, guilt. The eternity of the claim of righteousness, the absoluteness of the holy will of God, and in contrast the failure of man of the race to meet that claim and do that will. It has told man, in effect, that he is depraved, that is to say, morally distorted, he is totally depraved, that is, the distortion has affected his whole being, so that he can supply on his own part no adequate recovering power which shall restore him to harmony with God. And the law has nothing more to say to him, except that this condition is not only deplorable, but guilty, accountable, condemnable, and that his own conscience is the concurrent witness that it is so. He is a sinner. To be a sinner is before all things to be a transgressor of law. It is other things besides. It is to be morally diseased and in need of surgery and medicine. It is to be morally unhappy and an object of compassion. But first of all, it is to be morally guilty and in urgent need of justification, of a reversal of sentence of satisfactory settlement with the offended and eternal law of God. That law, having spoken its inexorable conditions, and having announced the just sentence of death, stands stern and silent beside the now silent offender. It has no commission to relieve his fears, to allay his grief, to pay his debts. Its awful, merciful business is to say, Thou shalt not sin, and the wages of sin is death. It summons conscience to attention, and tells it in its now hearing ear, far more than it had realized before the horror and the doom of sin, and then it leaves conscience to take up the message and alarm the whole inner world with the certainty of guilt and judgment. So the man lies speechless before the terribly reticent law. Is it a merely abstract picture, or do our hearts, the writers and the readers, bear any witness to its living truthfulness? God knoweth these things are no curiosities of the past. We are not studying an interesting phase of early Christian thought. We are reading a living record of the experiences of innumerable lives which are lived on earth this day. There is such a thing indeed in our time at this hour as conviction of sin. There is such a thing now as a human soul, struck dumb amidst its apologies, its doubts, its denials, by the speech and then the silence of the law of God. There is such a thing at this hour as a real man, strong and sound in thought, healthy in every faculty, used to look facts of daily life in the face, yet broken down in the indescribable conviction that he is a poor, guilty, lost sinner, and that his overwhelming need is, not now, not just now, the solution of problems of being, but the assurance that his sin is forgiven. He must be justified or he dies. The law of God must somehow say he has no quarrel with him, or he dies a death which he sees, as by an intuition peculiar to conviction of sin, to be in its proper nature a death without hope, without end. Is this somehow possible? 
listen guilty and silent soul to a sound which is audible now in the turmoil of either secular indifference or blind self-justification you could not hear it at best you heard a meaningless murmur but listen now it is articulate and it speaks to you the earthquake the wind the fire have passed and you are indeed awake now comes the sound of stillness in its turn verse twenty one to verse twenty six but now, apart from law, God's righteousness stands displayed, attested by the law and the prophets, but, though attested by them, in the scriptures which all along in word and in type promise better things to come, and above all a blessed one to come. It is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, prepared for all and bestowed upon all who believe in him. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified gift-wise, gratuitously, by his grace, through the redemption, the ransom rescue, which is in Christ Jesus. Yes, it resides always in him, the Lord of saving merit, and so is to be found in him alone, whom God presented, put forward, as propitiation through faith in his blood, his blood of death, of sacrifice, of the altar, so as to demonstrate, to explain, to clear up his righteousness, his way of acceptance and its method the father presented the son so as to show that his grace meant no real connivance no indulgence without a lawful reason he presented him because of his passing by of sins done before because the fact asked explanation that while he proclaimed his law and had not yet revealed his gospel he did nevertheless bear with sinners reprieving them condoning them in the forbearance of god in the ages when he was seen to hold back his wrath but did not yet disclose the reason why it was with a view he says again to this demonstration of his righteousness in the present period the season the keros of the manifested gospel that he may be in our view as well as in divine fact at once just true to his eternal law and justifier of him who belongs to faith in jesus this is the voice from heaven audible when the sinner's mouth is shut when his ears are opened by the touch of god without that spiritual introduction to them very likely they will seem either a fact in the history of religious thought interesting in the study of development but no more or a series of assertions corresponding to unreal needs and in themselves full of disputable points read them in the hour of conviction of sin in other words bring to them your whole being stirred from above to its moral depths and you will not take them either indifferently or with opposition as the key meets the lock they will meet your exceeding need every sentence every link of reasoning every affirmation of fact will be precious to you beyond all words and you will never fully understand them except in such hours or in the life which has such hours amongst its indelible memories listen over again in this sacred silence thus broken by the pleasant voice of the mighty one but now the happy now of present fact of waking certainty it is no daydream look and see touch and feel turn the blessed page again it stands written there is indeed a righteousness of god a settled way of mercy which is as holy as it is benignant an acceptance as good in eternal law as in eternal love it is attested by the law and the prophets countless lines of prediction and foreshadowing meet upon it to negative forever the fear of illusion of delusion 
here is no fortuitous concourse but the long-laid plan of god behold its procuring cause magnificent tender divine human spiritual historic it is the beloved son of the father no antagonist power from a region alien to the blessed law and its giver the lawgiver is the christ-giver he has set him forth he has provided in him an expiation which does not persuade him to have mercy for he is eternal love already but liberates his love along the line of a wonderfully satisfied holiness and explains that liberation to the contrite so as supremely to win their worship and their love to the father and the son behold the christ of god behold the blood of christ in the gospel he is everywhere it is everywhere but what is your delight to find him and it here upon the threshold of your life of blessing looking upon the crucified while you still lay your hand upon your mouth till it is removed that you may bless his name you understand the joy with which age after age men have spoken of a death which is their life of a cross which is their crown and glory you are in no mood here and now to disparage the doctrine of the atoning blood to place it in the background of your christianity to obscure the cross behind even the roofs of bethlehem you cannot now think well of any gospel that does not say first of all christ died for our sins according to the scriptures one corinthians fifteen three you are a sinner and you know it guilty before god and for you as such the propitiation governs your whole view of man of god of life of heaven for you however it may be for others redemption cannot be named or thought of apart from its first precious element remission of sins justification of the guilty it is steeped in ideas of propitiation it is red and glorious with the redeemer's blood without which it could not have been the all-blessed god with his attributes his character is by you seen evermore as just yet the justifier of him that believeth in jesus he shines on you through the word and in your heart's experience in many other astonishing aspect but all these others are qualified for you by this that he is the god of a holy justification that he is the god who has accepted you the guilty one in christ all your thoughts of him are formed and followed out at the foot of the cross golgotha is the observatory from which you count and watch the lights of the moving heaven of his being his truth his love how precious to you now are the words which once perhaps were worse than insipid faith justification the righteousness of god in the discovery of your necessity and of christ as the all in all to meet it you see with little need of exposition the place and power of faith it means you see it now simply your reception of christ it is your contact with him your embrace of him it is not virtue it is absolutely remote from merit but it is necessary as necessary as the hand that takes the alms or as the mouth that eats the unbought meal the meaning of justification is now to you no riddle of the schools like all the great words of scriptural theology it carries with it in divine things the meaning it bears in common things only for a new and noble application you see this with joy by the insight of awakened conscience he who justifies you does exactly what the word always imports he does not educate you or inspire you up to acceptability he pronounces you acceptable satisfactory at peace with law and this he does for another's sake on account of the merit of another 
who has so done and suffered as to win an eternal welcome for himself and everything that is his and therefore for all who are found in him and therefore for you who have fled into him believing so you receive with joy and wonder the righteousness of god his way to bid you so deeply guilty in yourself welcome without fear to your judge you are righteous that is to say satisfactory to the inexorable law how because you are transfigured into a moral perfectness such as could constitute the claim no but because jesus christ died and you receiving him are found in him there is no difference once perhaps you resented that word if you paused to note it now you take all its import home whatever otherwise your difference may be from the most disgraceful and notorious breakers of the law of god you know now that there is none in this respect that you are as hopelessly whether or not as distantly remote as they are from the glory of god his moral glory the inexorable perfectness of his character with its inherent demand that you must perfectly correspond to him in order so to be at peace with him you are indeed short of this the harlot the liar the murderer are short of it but so are you perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine and you on the crest of an alp but you are as little able to touch the stars as they so you thankfully give yourself up side by side with them if they will but come too to be carried to the height of divine acceptance by the gift of god justified gift-wise by his grace verse twenty seven where then is our boasting it is shut out by means of what law of works no but by means of faith's law the institute the ordinance which lays it upon us not to deserve but to confide and who can analyse or describe the joy and rest of the soul from which at last is shut out the foul inflation of a religious boast we have praised ourselves we have valued ourselves on one thing or another supposed to make us worthy of the eternal we may perhaps have had some specious pretexts for doing so or we may have boasted such boastings are not unknown of nothing better than being a little less ungodly or a little more manly than someone else but this is over now forever in principle and we lay its practice under our redeemer's feet to be destroyed and great is the rest and gladness of sitting down at his feet while the door is shut and the key is turned upon our self-applause there is no holiness without that exclusion and there is no happiness where holiness is not verse twenty eight for we reckon we conclude we gather up our facts and reasons thus that man is justified by faith apart from irrespective of works of law in other words the meriting cause lies wholly in christ and wholly outside the man's conduct we have seen implicitly in the passage above verses ten to eighteen what is meant here by works of law or by works of the law the thought is not of ritual prescription but of moral law the lawbreakers of verses ten to eighteen are men who commit violent deeds and speak foul words and fail to do what is good the law-keeper by consequence is the man whose conduct in such respects is right negatively and positively and the works of the law are such deeds accordingly so here we conclude that the justification of fallen man takes place as to the merit which procures it irrespective of his well-doing it is respective only of christ as to merit it has to do only as to personal reception with the acceptance of the meriting christ that is to say with faith in him 
then come like a short coda following a full musical cadence two brief questions and their answers spoken almost as if again a ravenist were in discussion verse twenty nine to verse thirty is god the jews god only not of the nations too yes of the nations too assuming that god is one the same person in both cases who will justify circumcision on the principle of faith and uncircumcision by means of faith he takes the fact now ascertained that faith still faith that is to say christ received is the condition to justification for all mankind and he reasons back to the fact so amply attested by the law and the prophets from genesis onwards that the true god is equally the god of all probably the deep inference is suggested that the fence of privilege drawn for ages round israel was meant ultimately for the whole world's blessing and not to hold israel in a selfish isolation verse thirty one we cancel law then by this faith of ours we open the door then to moral license we abolish code and precept then when we ask not for conduct but for faith away with the thought nay we establish the law we go the very way to give a new sacredness to its every command and to disclose a new power for the fulfilment of them all but how this is and is to be the later argument is to show detached note to romans three it would be a deeply interesting work to collect and exhibit together examples of the conveyance of great spiritual blessing in memorable lives through the perusal of the epistle to the romans augustine's final crisis see below on thirteen fourteen would be one such example as specimens of what must be a multitude we must quote two cases in each of which one verse in this chapter of the epistle proved the means of the divine message in a life of historical interest padre paolo sapi fifteen fifty two to sixteen twenty three counsellor and theologian to the venetian republic historian of the council of trent was one of the many eminent men of his day who never broke with the roman church yet had genuine spiritual sympathies with the reformation the record of his last hours is affecting and instructive and shows him reposing his hope with great simplicity on the divine message of this chapter though the report makes him quote it inexactly night being come and want of spirits increasing upon him he caused another reading of the passion written by st john he spake of his own misery and of the trust and confidence which he had in the blood of christ he repeated very often those words quem proposuit deus mediatorem per fidem in sanguine sua whom god hath set forth to be a mediator through faith in his blood in which he seemed to receive an extreme consolation he repeated though with much faintness diverse places of st paul he protested that of his part he had nothing to present god with but miseries and sins yet nevertheless he desired to be drowned in the abyss of the divine mercy with so much submission on one side and yet so much cheerfulness on the other side that he drew tears from all that were present it was through the third chapter of the romans that heavenly light first came to the terribly troubled soul of william cooper at st albans in seventeen sixty four some have said that cooper's religion was to blame for his melancholy the case was far different the first tremendous attack occurred at a time when by his own clear account he was quite without serious religion it had nothing whatever to do with either christian doctrine or christian practice 
the recovery from it came with his first sight in scripture of the divine mercy in our lord jesus christ his own account of this crisis is as follows but the happy period which was to afford me a clear opening of the free mercy of god in christ jesus was now arrived i flung myself into a chair near the window and seeing a bible there ventured once more to apply to it for comfort and instruction the first verse i saw was the twenty-fifth of the third of romans whom god hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of god immediately i received strength to believe it and the full beams of the sun of righteousness shone upon me i saw the sufficiency of the atonement he had made my pardon sealed in his blood and all the fullness and completeness of his justification unless the almighty arm had been under me i think i should have died with gratitude and joy i could only look up to heaven in silent fear overwhelmed with love and wonder but the work of the holy ghost is best described in his own words it is joy unspeakable and full of glory End of chapter nine